for a great reminder, Amanda, as we focus on the fact that we matter to God. I want you to open your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Matthew chapter 10 and verses 29 through 31. If you have your Bible app, you can follow along, and the words will be on the screen as well this morning. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and Matthew records it, and verse 29 we pick up, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last Sunday, we joined the disciples on a very scary boat ride with Jesus. If you were here, we started a new series entitled Fear Not. And we joined Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee where a fierce storm came up. The next several weeks, we're looking at some of the different kinds of fears that we face as we journey through Lent. And we're trusting God that He will help us to live by faith and not in fear. So Jesus had invited the disciples to join him on a common fishing boat, and they were headed from the west side of the Sea of Galilee up in the northwest over across to the northeast side. Jesus was exhausted from ministry, and he knew that he needed some rest. And so exhausted from many days of ministry and healing people, he crawled up underneath the platform in the back of the boat and the Lord fell fast asleep. The Lord fell fast asleep. But the weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. If not for the power of the fearless Lord, the disciples would be lost. The disciples would be lost. The disciples cried to the Lord for help. They feared that they would die. Don't you care? They said they wondered if He even cared at all. But the Lord rebuked the wind and waves. The sky and sea were calm. The disciples were amazed and asked them, What kind of man is this? He is the Lord of all there is. The wind and waves obey. The wind and waves obey. So, <laughs> you'll, you'll never listen to Gilligan's Island the same again, I promise you. <laughs> Neither will I. Um, <laughs> but when the disciples awakened from their, uh, awakened Jesus, their, their first words were, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you, don't you care if we drown? Uh, don't we matter? Uh, don't you care about us? Uh, do we matter to you, Jesus, if you would just fall asleep on us in the midst of this terrible storm? And this leads to our key question that sets up our message for today, and that is this. Does God really care about us? Does God really care about us? Now, I'm going to give you the answer to that question, and then we're going to unpack things and then reaffirm that at the end. But I, I want to, to say that God really does care about us. That God 
is mad about us. That God is wildly in love with you and me. God loves us more than we could ever possibly ask or comprehend or imagine. St. Augustine, and I paraphrase, God loves you and me as if there were no other, and He loves you and me all just the same. And that's mind-boggling to me. But He does. As Christians, we know this in our heads, but there's a disconnect because sometimes we don't know it in our hearts. This is especially difficult when people don't treat us as God intended for us to be treated, when we don't experience the love that God desires for us to have. God wants us to be loved. He wants us to love others, as you know. God created each of us as someone special. We are significant. We are important. We are filled with meaning and purpose. Uh, that brings our, us to our, our first important point today, and that's that every one of us desires significance. Every one of us desires to feel important and valued and loved. And sometimes we, we don't feel that way. And I hope that today's message will help to encourage us uh, to, to know that we are significant. The writer of Genesis and the writer of the Psalms helps to uh, affirm this. In Genesis, then God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And then in Psalm 139, verse 14, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then in verse 18, your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful, God. I'll never comprehend them. I couldn't even begin to count them any more than I could count the sand of the sea. We are significant. And every one of us desires to feel that way. But you and I both know that it's not always like that. Because in this broken world, things are not as they should be. My daughter and I have been reading a book together. It's called Out of My Mind by Sharon Draper. And she is the Coretta Scott King award-winning author. And this little book spent a long time on the New York Times bestsellers list. The main character in the book is 11-year-old Melody. She's a girl who has severe cerebral palsy. Although the book is fiction, Sharon Draper writes out of her own personal experience because she has a child with special needs and she has done extensive research in that area. As I read the book, uh, Draper really helped me to have an understanding or a better understanding of daily life for people who are often overlooked and left out especially people who have physical limitations and other challenges. Listen to Melody's words from the book. I can't talk. I can't walk. I can't feed myself or take myself to the bathroom. Big bummer. My arms and hands are pretty stiff, but I can mash the buttons on my TV remote and move my wheelchair with the helps of knobs that I can grab on the wheels. 
I can't hold a spoon or a pencil without dropping it, and my balance is like zip. Humpty Dumpty had more control than I do. When people look at me, I guess they see a girl with short, dark, curly hair strapped into a pink wheelchair. By the way, there's nothing cute about a pink wheelchair. Pink doesn't change a thing. They'd see a girl with dark brown eyes that are full of curiosity, but one of them is slightly out of whack. Her head wobbles a little. Sometimes she drools. She's really tiny for a girl who is age 10 and three quarters. Her legs are very thin, probably because they've never been used. Sometimes people never even ask me my name, like it's not important or something. It is, though. My name is Melody. Doctors don't know how to talk to me, and neither do most of the teachers at my school. I've been at Spalding Street Elementary School for five years. It's very ordinary, filled with little kids just like the schools I see on television shows. Kids who chase each other on the playground and run down the hall to get to their desks just before the bell rings. Kids who slide on icy patches in winter and jump in puddles in spring. Kids who shout and push Kids who sharpen the pencils, go to the board to do math problems, and open their books to do a poem. Kids who write their answers in notebook paper and stuff their papers in their backpacks. Kids who throw food at each other in the cafeteria and sip on juice boxes. Kids who sing in the choir, learn to play the violin, take gymnastics or ballet or swimming lessons after school. Kids who shoot baskets in the gym, Their conversations fill the halls as they make plans and make jokes and as they make friends. Kids who, for the most part, ignore kids like me. Things are not as they should be. And often, we can even feel like that. I'm sure every one of you at some point or another has either felt insignificant or who has been made to feel that way. That's not the way that God intended for it to be. And that's why the church is the hope of the world. Because we know it's supposed to be different. We fear being overlooked. We fear insignificance. We fear being overlooked or left out. This is why it bothers us when others forget to call or when the teacher forgets our name or when someone else takes credit for all of the work that we've done at the office or when a group of girls in the hallway just walks by and all of them turn their heads the other way or when the other guys all pick up the basketball and get a game going and I'm not invited or when everyone else in the office goes out and I'm to lunch and I'm left there by myself. It stings when I'm homebound and nobody has bothered to call or check in or stop by. We fear, many of us, we fear that no one notices us. We are significant people who don't often feel very significant. And this causes us, many of us in our culture today, to well up with a fear that is based on what others think about us. It, becomes to, it starts to take over and then we convince ourselves that we must be what everybody else says. This causes a phenomenon in our culture 
that affects millions of people, and it's even been given its own definition in the Oxford Dictionaries. It's called the fear of missing out. The fear of missing out, or F-O-M-O. The fear of missing out. If you've seen that in text language, that's what it stands for, the fear of missing out. It's an anxiety that's driven by fear of being overlooked and left out. Everything is happening somewhere else, and we've not been invited. Social media exacerbates this or makes this even worse because we're always, when we have this fear, then we start to always check to see what everybody else is doing, and we see that we may have not been invited to this or that, and we feel even more insignificant. A writer in Forbes magazine cites that recent studies have shown that FOMO, fear of missing out, is often linked to feelings of disconnection or dissatisfaction, and social media fuels it. Think about how many people constantly scan email or Facebook to keep up with friends' updates, the writer says. Some people don't just want to keep up. They start to compare and evaluate their lives based on how they see others portraying their own. It's, I want to be exactly like them or where they are. I feel insignificant. Jesus knew that His disciples would perhaps deal with some of these same feelings. He knew that as after He died on the cross and rose and went to be with the Father, that they would be on their own. He would not be with them physically. His Holy Spirit would be with them as we know, but He would not be with them physically. So He knew they would experience the fear of persecution, the fear of judgment of others, the fear of being left out, the feeling of loneliness and insignificance. And He taught them a simple but very powerful truth in the passage that we just read a few moments ago. Jesus speaks of sparrows and human hair. And they're like, what? Jesus, what are you saying? Sparrows, little birds, and human hair? Come on. Um, these are pretty basic things. They don't really matter much. And that's exactly why he used them. He would often take common, ordinary things and use them as illustrations to teach a spiritual truth. We've got to go to Luke's gospel to look at the sparrows a little bit more deeply. He writes in Jesus, Luke writes Jesus' words, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? He says a little bit more than Matthew here. Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. You see, one penny would usually buy two sparrows. But you could get five sparrows for two pennies. The vendor would just throw in the fifth one for free because the fifth one didn't really matter that much. And our world is filled with fifth sparrows. People who feel left out and insignificant. People who feel like they don't matter very much. And our world is speeding by and making it even worse. Yet, Jesus, I believe, is saying to the disciples, God does not even forget the overlooked fifth sparrow. God does not forget the overlooked one. And then Jesus says to the disciples, guys, your hairs on your head are even numbered. And whether you take that literally or figuratively, 
what I draw from this is that Jesus is wanting the disciples to know just how much they matter to God. And he's saying, guys, if God, who is your creator, who wove you together in the secret place, who knew your name before you were even born, if that God knows the number of hairs on your head, perhaps even through your, your entire human body, if that God knows you that well, then you know that he cares deeply about you. And the word that Matthew uses here in, this, in the Greek is arithmeo. Arithmeo, your hair, the hairs on your head are even numbered. Uh, arithmeo is translated numbered. And it's the root word for arithmetic. Our math system to number. We matter to God and God did the math long before we were even born. Before I shaped you in the womb, writes, uh, writes Jeremiah, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations, that's, why, that's what I had in mind for you. Jeremiah 1.5 If we claim the truth that our value and significance come from God, we can say to ourselves, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid, even though if others leave me out or if others don't treat me as a significant person, that I know my value is in the Lord because He made me. I do not have to be afraid. There are three reminders of our significance that I want to share as we conclude today. The first one is God really cares about us. I told you I was going to loop back to that. God really cares about us. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19.10 from the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, an insignificant person, a tax collector, a sinner, and he's hiding up in the tree perhaps to get a glimpse of Jesus. Jesus stops and looks up in the tree and says, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house. You are significant. You matter to God. The Lord came to seek and to save that which was lost. God really cares about us. We are God's masterpiece. We are a work of art. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. From Ephesians 2 verse 10. And it's what God thinks about us that matters most. Don't let stuff that people think or say about you define who you are. It's what God thinks about us that matters the most. Jeremiah chapter 18. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. And if you came to our Ash Wednesday service this past week, the first day of Lent, the Lenten season, uh, there was one of our stations that had some clay, and you could take the clay, and that verse was there, and you could take that clay, a piece of it, and, and mold it and shape it, and understand how God has formed and shaped each of us. You are special. You and I are special. We are significant. We matter to God. In his book, You Are Special, 
Max Lucado writes of Puccinello, one of the Wemmicks, small wooden people carved by the woodcarver Eli. It's a children's book that's actually here in our library, the church. Puccinello is a little wooden character, and in the book we will discover how he is valued. The Wemmicks had golden stars and gray dots that they would give out. The golden stars went to the pretty and the tall and the successful and the athletic and the smart. But if you weren't all of that, well, you got a gray dot. And so people walked around, the Wemmicks did, with either lots of gold stars or lots of gray dots. And Punchinello, well, he was covered with gray dots. And he had so many that he began to believe everything about him that was said was true. One day, he met Lucia, a girl that didn't have any gold stars or gray dots on her skin. And he asked her, why don't you have any gold stars? You're so pretty. And she said, I don't need any of that. Well, how? Because everybody else either has stars or dots, and you don't have either. And she said, well, that's because I go and see Eli every day. Who is Eli? Don't you know who Eli is? He's the carver who made you. You need to go see him. So finally, Punchinello got up enough nerve to go see Eli. Every day I've been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know, she told me about you. Why don't the stickers stay on her, he asked. The maker spoke softly, because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if you let them. The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust in my love, the less you care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand, Eli said. You will, but it'll take time. You've got lots of dots. For now, just come and see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off of the couch and set him onto the ground. Remember, Eli as the Wemmick walked out the door. You are special because I made you. I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop. But in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And as he said that, a gray dot fell to the ground. God says, you are significant. God says, I really care about you. God said, you are a masterpiece. God says, I don't make mistakes. And God says, it's what I think about you that matters most. Pray with me, please.
O God, our Creator, Sustainer, Redeemer, Friend, the God who is madly in love with us. God, You are wild about us, crazy in love with us. The God who stepped into human skin to take up our affirmities, to save us from our sins. Today, you have given us a reminder through your word that if sparrows are important and you know the number of hairs on our heads, that we must be important to you. God, help us to share this message with a world that's hurting and broken, especially as we go from here on Valentine's Day. There may be a, a, a server in a restaurant we encounter today who needs to hear that. There may be someone who's got a broken heart who needs to hear that. And there are many of us who need to hear that ourselves, God. May it be so. Through Christ we pray.